0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper, Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Dr. Ilona Duffy, General Practitioner Monaghan, joins us for our weekly Health Spot, and today we're going to discuss coronary heart disease. So, Alona, what exactly is coronary heart disease?
1: Well, uh, very good question, seeing is that it affects many of us um, every year and that it's actually the stats in Ireland aren't great. And it's kind of felt that up to 10,000 people die every year as a result of cardiovascular disease. Now, when we're talking about that doesn't mean 10,000 people a year are dying as a result of a direct heart attack. But we know the damage that can be done to the heart muscle can lead to heart failure and other problems. So. When people talk about your heart, I think most people know where their heart is in their chest. It's to the left side of the chest. In the majority of people, there's the odd person that's the other side. But for most people, it's on that left side. And it is a muscle. And it's a muscle with different chambers that pumps really intricately, pumps part of the blood up into the lungs to oxygenate it back into the heart and then back around the body, just providing us with the oxygen for all our muscles and various parts of our body to work. And on average, most people, I suppose people talk about what should your pulse rate be. Their pulse is a measure of how the beats of your heart. And it's anywhere kind of depending on how healthy you are, from fifty upwards to eighty or ninety. Ideally the average rate is probably seventy to eighty, but in very healthy people it'd be less. So If we run into problems with that muscle, clearly it's going to be a problem. And that's what our coronary artery disease is. When the blood vessels that supply the muscle become compromised, they become narrowed, meaning that that muscle can't get enough oxygen itself. And that's where we run into problems. So the first phase tends to be when the blood vessels are starting to narrow. And we may find that just like any muscle in our body, it starts cramping. And that cramping is known as angina and may present for people in a variety of different ways. The common way is kind of slowly but surely, they notice that they're not able to exercise or walk or do things as well because those kind of exercises mean your heart has to pump a bit faster and a bit harder. And when it's doing that, it can't get the blood, so it cramps and that can lead to chest pain. And typically the pain can be anything. It can be a sharp pain, it can be an ache, it can be a heaviness, and it may not even be in the chest, it can be in the arm, usually the left arm or up into the jaw but people may also present with palpitations on exertion or shortness of breath. So I suppose in a nutshell, that's what it is.
0: Okay, so it's a build-up of fatty substances as well in the coronary arteries as well as a narrowing of the veins?
1: Yes, so it's narrowing of the arteries and the arteries are narrowed because of this buildup of this atheroma, which, as you rightly say, partly it's it's, it's kind of fatty kind of substances and then it can become calcified. So it can become harder and then it also affects other blood vessels, all our arteries throughout our body. And does that necessarily
0: mean a heart attack or could it be something else that will affect you?
1: Well, I suppose the heart attack usually comes when you get complete blockage of that artery. And that can happen because a little clot of that breaks off. So that atheroma, that narrowing, sometimes a little bit breaks off and then it blocks the artery completely and obviously stops the blood supply to that area of the heart. And that's your heart attack. That's when, you know, basically you have a myocardial infarction. And that means that that area of the muscle starts to die because it can't get the oxygen. Now, as we know, there's so much we can do now and picking up on people who are having a heart attack or having this myocardial infarction, we can help reverse it by giving medications um, or going in and doing an urgent kind of angiogram and removing that clot. So there's lots that can be done as long as people are aware of it and do something about it fast. So what are the causes of coronary heart disease? So we know that there are multiple causes to it and lots of risk factors. And the good news is that for many of these, we can actually do something about it. And the statistics would say that 80% of all heart disease can be prevented. So I think that's a really good news thing here with it. So if we kind of want to know who might be at risk, we have different risk scores that we do. And probably the one that most people use, and many people will have heard their GP talking about if they're of that age or if there's somebody who may want to be checked out, is called a Q risk. And a Q risk adds up the different things that might lead you more prone to developing atheroma, lead you more at risk of developing a heart attack, angina, or even indeed a stroke or a mini stroke. So what's the biggest thing? Family history, I suppose, because it's the one thing we can't change. And being aware of what is is relevant to the family history. And we normally talk about first degree relatives and that's mother, father, brother, sister. And looking to see have any of them a history of Um, either angina or a heart attack, a stroke, a mini stroke, age 60 or under. So I suppose if you say, well, my dad was 92 when he had a heart attack, that's going to be less important to ascend your dad if he was 62 when he had it or 52 when he had it. But again, being aware of family history because you can't go back and change that and being aware if there is a family history of sudden cardiac deaths or sudden deaths that maybe we don't know the reason of um, in members of the family, even beyond if there are a number of sudden deaths beyond the first degree relatives, we become of saying that might be something that would trigger a warning. So what about the things we can change? Well, number one, smoking. I think everybody's aware that smoking is bad for us in many ways, but very definitely it is a cardiovascular risk. Uh, cholesterol, if it's above certain levels, and cholesterol is kind of complicated. I think, sorry, sorry,
0: what, yeah. what is cholesterol?
1: So cholesterol is the fat that's in our body. So we have natural fats in our body and we need fat in our body for moving around different things so not all fat is bad fat but cholesterol I suppose is the one people hear about and they hear about the numbers don't they
0: yeah so then should people get their cholesterol tested regularly and from what age
1: well normally we wouldn't suggest checking your cholesterol until you're over 40 unless you have a very strong family history of high cholesterol. and there are a group of people who have exceptionally high cholesterol, and it runs in the family and it can start at a very early age even in childhood and they're the kind of people that would probably have a very strong family history of heart attacks and sudden death so we're we're kind of aware of them and they're being made aware of each other and for other people normally 40 would be the age to start maybe just to get a random cholesterol and, and a checkup you know because it's not just the cholesterol and then after that if it's normal perhaps five years later and again when you're 50 obviously from 50 on Probably we're starting to see we're going to get lots of other things checked too. We want to check our blood pressure. We want again to check our cholesterol. And for men, they may be considering whether they need to get prostate screening as well. So it's not that it needs to be done every year unless an abnormality shows up.
0: What about exercise? Because exercise raises the heart rate and the heartbeat. Is that necessarily always good for you? Because unfortunately, particularly in middle age, you keep hearing of people who have dropped dead after exercise?
1: I think it's like everything in moderation it's good and we know that there's massive evidence to support just regular short walks it doesn't need to be going out running it doesn't need to be doing the marathons but doing 15 to 20 minutes brisk walk five days a week has been shown to have all kinds of benefit both for reducing cancer risk and reducing stroke and heart attack and preventing bone thinning as well so I think just that's what i'd love to see people doing because i think as people get older they maybe have developed arthritis people who've gained weight might find it harder then to exercise and really what we're doing is we're not trying to get you exercising to lose the weight we're trying to get you to exercise to reduce other risks including yeah, your heart yeah but
0: lots of people alone or lots of middle aged men and women now do run marathons or they go for lengthy cycles or long swims or they pump weights in the gym and they do it to keep in shape and to keep healthy but are they at times perhaps running a risk of putting too much strain on their heart by doing so?
1: I think you build yourself up into everything and just like starting gym work, starting any kind of exercise, you don't go in immediately running a marathon. You have to start slow and work up and kind of your body becomes used to the exercise, your muscles develop, all of that exercise tolerance develops. So that is going to take time. But somebody starting to lift heavy weights and doing other kind of serious gym work straight off without having a history of being able to do that. I think that's where you put yourself at risk. Tell us about calcification tests. So um, there's a new kind of test that we can now add to our armory for assessing people who may be at risk. Now, again, we don't use this on everybody. This is very much a test we use for people who are asymptomatic, meaning they're not complaining of shortness of breath, chest pain, or palpitations on exertion. And it's where we do a CT scan of the whole body. And we're looking at the large arteries, these blood vessels that carry the oxygenated blood. And if in the larger vessels, we're seeing atheroma, we're seeing calcification that's in that atheroma, that fatty stuff that's lodging in those vessels and we see that there and it's above the average for your age then we know it's likely you're having that in your small blood vessels as well and we're more likely to go in and perhaps start you on a cholesterol tablet so who are the people we'd be looking at people perhaps with a strong family history of heart disease people with high cholesterol but no other risk factors but are worried and wondering should we be putting you on a cholesterol tablet because i think it's important to remember that cholesterol tablets are brilliant they are great but we want to use them on the right people because when you go on them it's not like a course of antibiotics where you take it and the the problem is solved. It's like blood pressure tablets. When you're on them, you stay on them. It's not a matter of coming off unless there's been massive lifestyle changes, weight loss or other things that may have brought the other risk factors down.
0: Yeah, talk to me a little bit more about medications, please, about statins in particular.
1: Okay, so statins are, are kind of one of the groups of medication we use to reduce cholesterol. And we kind of briefly mentioned cholesterol earlier. I think I was going to say that it kind of, it, it's come on so much. We used to have to kind of set figures and people, you know, is advertised on the radio, get your number right, have it below five or below. Whereas we now know that's the total cholesterol. So we break down our cholesterol into, I suppose, simply what could we call the good and the bad cholesterols. And the bad cholesterols would be our triglycerides and our LDL. And our good cholesterol is our HDL. And we now realise HDL plays such an important role. It offers protection to us. So getting that up really helps. And the things that get it up are avoiding smoking, doing that regular bit of exercise and of preventing diabetes so now when if anybody out there has been to the doctor and has got their cholesterol most people when they ring me for the results they say well what's my cholesterol and it could be 5.2 it could be 6.2 and they kind of see that big number as being the answer and it's not we now get that total number and we divide it by the good cholesterol so we get what's called a cholesterol ratio a hdl ratio and that is more accurate at deciding who would benefit from medication and who needs help and, and perhaps who needs just follow up and maybe advice some diet and exercise.
0: There's some listener questions coming in. One says, can you ask if it's dangerous to have a zero reading of LDL? That's what I got in a pharmacy check yesterday.
1: Um, interesting. There is some talk, like we do need cholesterol in our body, and a very low LDL um, can be associated with some other diseases. So maybe we're talking to your doctor. Again, the test you had done in the pharmacy, maybe a skin prick test, and therefore is a near patient testing, not quite as accurate as the blood test we take from your arm and sent to a laboratory. So I'd probably suggest talking to your GP or your GP practice nurse about getting that done.
0: Another one here says, uh, I wonder what, you, uh, what changes should be made for a person in their late 20s with a heart rate of 106 beats per minute?
1: Okay. So a lot of it depends. Is that a new thing? Is that uh, the way your heart's always been? It does seem a little high for a resting heart rate in a young person. So again, always check, you know, if you're checking your heart rate, remember our heart, as we said earlier, is going to beat faster if you're doing things. It's also going to be faster if it's been stimulated. So caffeine will stimulate it. certain medications, stress, anxiety, and pain are all examples of things. So for this caller, I mean, if your heart rate's that high and if you have any other symptoms, definitely you need to see your GP.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. Alona Duffy, for joining us for our weekly last word on health.
1: The last word
0: with Matt Cooper, Today FM. It all happens here.